This is Sports Talk with Phil Cornblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on sportstalksc.com, as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. You know, I've often wondered, what if they played an NFL game and nobody knew about it? And nobody went and nobody watched. Is that possible for tonight's? I mean, I didn't know until like yesterday that they were playing in Charlotte. And I mean, it's monsooning out there in some parts of the Carolinas. And I mean, it's a lousy game. It's on a network, you know, that you can get if you want to pay for it. But does anybody even know the Panthers are playing tonight in Charlotte? Now, that's a great question. In Charlotte, I was going to say, I'm sure Pat and I both know, but it's only because we're Panthers fans by birth almost. Pat, but, did, I you, mean, did you know they're playing? Are you aware they're playing? Yeah, you, you're yeah. on top of it. Tried to I mean, it's it a up, divisional tried game. It up last night. And, and what's sad about it, if they win tonight, they're 3-1 and one in the NFC South. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit, I have to admit, with the Packers going, for some reason, down the toilet, my burning <clears> desire <throat> about the NFL is a little bit down this year. These two had a great game just uh, just a couple of weeks ago over in Atlanta as well. A game ending in 37-34. Remember, Panthers blew it right there in the end. They had a touchdown that looked like was going to win the game. All they needed was the extra point. But um, receiver removed his handle. I'm sorry, his, his helmet. Yeah, and, that's right. And ended up <laughs> being like Moore. a 50-yard extra point, give or take. And then they, then they lost in overtime. That has to be, really, one of the – he didn't even apologize for it. No, as I recall, that's got to be one of the dumbest moves in the history of football, and he's like not even apologetic about it. They didn't suspend him or fine him or anything like that, did they? Well, they the, the NFL actually is the one who ended up apologizing. It should not have been a penalty. What DJ Moore was actually what he did was actually perfectly within the rules. Oh, really? The penalty at the time was for removing his helmet on the field of play, but afterwards the NFL actually released a statement that he removed his helmet outside of the end zone he was technically off the field of play and no penalty should have been assessed so that's it, probably it why doesn't matter though yeah really leave your helmet on while you're out there playing good that's what point. it's for good act, point. act like you've been in the end i realize carolina does not get in the end zone all that often but act like you've been there before you cost your team the game why even because give of the your officials the opportunity to throw the flag mm-hmm, right exactly. you're wrong exactly you know yeah idiot all right Hope everybody's doing well. Uh, this hurricane now uh, moving up the up the coast. I've never done this before, but uh, 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 tomorrow I'll be driving into the uh, mouth of a hurricane. I guess as it's coming up I ninety five. Maybe it'll maybe it'll move past here, you know, overnight, and we won't have to worry about it tomorrow. But I'm scheduled to uh, head ba- head down towards Gainesville uh, tomorrow. Got a Reservation there in Jacksonville, and uh, we'll see how speaking it goes. Speaking of that, mm-hmm. speaking of that, why did the Gamecocks not? Well, I guess going today would be probably even worse. But to avoid that scenario, I realize they're flying, not driving down like you're going to. But I'm kind of surprised they didn't try and get up, get down there a day or so early. Uh, uh good question. I was talking to Ray Tanner about it earlier in the week at the basketball games, and I mean he didn't talk about leaving early. He was just talking about. 
their flight pattern would change, could perhaps change some. Instead of oh, going yeah. directly, oh, yeah. you know, south, they'd go west and go around the storm and come in that way. Um, that's a good question. Well, I guess maybe classes or who knows? Who knows why they, they didn't go early? But, you know, I think the feeling is it's going to clear out, obviously, by Saturday, and we should have good weather in Gainesville, should have good weather at Clemson. And uh, if you folks go by, uh, Jeff Scott is going to be uh, setting up a tent outside of uh, the entrance to Death Valley to greet uh, Tiger fans. So y'all, y'all go by and say hey to him as you're going into the – I mean, come on, people. Are you serious? There's some people out there apparently were uh, – David Hood had to go on TigerNet and shoot it down. Apparently there was something out there about Jeff Scott being at Clemson Saturday. Now, first of all – he just got canned at South Florida, number one. Number two, I mean, how would it look for him to show right up at Clemson a week after he got canned at South Florida? You know, the speculation would go crazy. There's no opening at Clemson. There's no indication. I mean, Dabo Sweeney's not going to fire Brandon Streeter, and he's not going to demote Brandon Streeter. He didn't put anything on Brandon Streeter that's going on this football season offensively. Not that I can tell. And he's not going to make a change there. Now, you know, if Jeff Scott decides that he doesn't want to take an offensive coordinator's job somewhere else or an assistant's job somewhere else, um, you know, if an opening comes up at Clemson on the offensive side, for one reason or another, he might would look at it. Or maybe he would be one of those guys that would take an analyst job, like a lot of fired coaches do, uh, primarily at Alabama. <laughs> I mean, that's the place – that's been the safe haven for fired head coaches, right? That's where you go and you serve on your for a couple yeah. of years and get it going again. Yeah, so, I mean, who knows what he's going to do. I mean, he's got his nice payoff from South Florida. He can afford to sit back a little bit and see what's out there. He doesn't have to rush into anything. But, um, you know, I guess we got kind of the same mindset with some people at Clemson that you got at South Carolina. Fire the coordinator. Fire the offensive coordinator at every chance you get. Well, and we're talking about a coordinator who has the, I just looked it up, the 31st ranked scoring offense in the country. They're averaging 35 points a game. They had an off night at Notre Dame. There's no question. But, I mean, is that the reason to throw the baby out with the bathwater? I mean, you're going to scrap everything Brandon Streeter has done uh, prior to the Notre Dame game just because the offense isn't scoring like Tennessee, scoring 70 points a game? It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, surely the offense could probably improve a little bit. I think everybody would agree with that. But it's not as if they're, they're averaging 10 points a game and can't get first downs. Well, of course, it goes back to the quarterback. He is the quarterback coach as well. And the up-and-down play of Uyangale is partially on him and partially on the coach. And so, you know, but Scott's not a quarterback coach. He's a, he's a receiver's coach. That's what he cut his teeth in as he climbed up the ladder. And he worked so well in unison with uh, Tony Elliott. Um, but again, I don't see anything happening there at Clemson, you know, with the with the positions there. And uh, to think that he's just going to come right back into Clemson and claim his old job is just, that's foolhardy. That's not going to happen. Uh, coming up on the program here in just a few minutes, we're going to visit with Newberry coach Todd Knight. He's playing for a championship uh, to, uh, Saturday over at Setzler Field. They want to sell out Setzler Field. They want their Wolves fans to uh, wear all red and and support uh, the team. I gotta ask him. I I'll be honest with you, Chris. I'm I'm not familiar with this new format in the South Atlantic Conference. 
I didn't even realize that they had split the divisions and they were playing a championship game. They're playing Mars Hill. And so uh, does the winner get an automatic bid to the playoffs or anything like that? No, Division Two, unless it's changed, if memory serves, they go based on their regional rankings, and there aren't any auto bids, I don't think. Now, like I said, maybe it has changed over the years, but when I was covering PC, I thought you just based on your regional rankings, so you didn't necessarily have to win your conference, sort of like the CFP. They tried to take the best six teams, I think it was six, four or six teams from each subset of the uh, country mm-hmm. and that's how you got in but yeah Newberry's sitting at six and two a three-way tie as a matter of fact or actually a four-way tie but even with limestone <laughs> in the uh, in the conference and Mars Hill's the uh, seven and one out of the mountain so yeah they, they had split into divisions I did not realize that myself yeah and limestone has a win over Newberry which has to be one of the great shockers of the season in no the doubt. South Atlantic Conference I mean not to take anything away from limestone Mike Fury or Furry has done one of the best coaching jobs anywhere in the country. To I come think the in, job he's done and yeah. the job that Benedict has done this oh, season, yeah, by yeah, far the yeah, best in yeah. the state. Yeah, I the, mean, they have done terrific jobs. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and we reached out to Coach Barry, and um, you know, hopefully we'll hear from him, and we're trying to get him on. They, they have a championship game against Tuskegee uh, coming up on Saturday at Benedict. And... Again, I am. This is this is for their their conference championship, and and they're undefeated, and and I guess they're they're trying to play their way into the Division Two playoffs as well. So, um, we got some good stuff. We got some good stuff going on uh, with teams here in our state, and look forward to talking to the coaches about that. Uh, Let's see. Oh, now it's a big Thursday night here on Sports Talk. So uh, coming up a little bit later on, the pastor of Payne, Corey Miller will be with us, and then at the bottom of the next hour, we'll have uh, Will and The Thrill both with us as well, and we got some other stuff to um, to bring your way, time permitting, including some of your phone calls, uh, 888-898-2525. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number right here on Sports Talk. We got basketball, of course. We got basketball tomorrow night in Columbia, South Carolina, and Clemson meeting about as early, maybe the earliest they've ever met in the regular season. And uh, as we talked about last night, hate that P.J. Hall is going to be out for Clemson because that would give both teams pretty much their their full rosters, uh, depending on the situation with the South Carolina big man, Verdonk, if he's able to go. But uh, who do you like? I mean, we've only got a very small wow. sample, and one beat the Citadel by a relatively a small score, and one beat South Carolina State by a really small score. So they both beat Bulldogs to open the season this week. Um, I really don't know how to handicap this game. I, or I don't either, Phil. Yeah. That's a really, really good question, especially if P.J. Hall were suiting up for Clemson. I think by far they'd be the easier pick of the two. But I don't know what to expect from either team. I, you got to – maybe a little bit of gauge as to what the two teams can do in their openers, especially with South Carolina. If they can keep Michi Johnson on the floor, I think they've got a chance to be okay offensively, but gosh, going into tomorrow night, second game of the year, that's, that's the other negative to this, not only playing on a Friday night in November, the fact that you don't have a couple of warm-up games to make this one perhaps even more interesting and a little bit better say in December than the what second week of November. Yeah, you're right. They, te- they, they treat uh, the basketball like a second-class citizen. It is. Around it is the here. red-headed stepchild of yeah. the rivalry. Baseball gets better, Easy. better coverage and better setup. 
yeah. than, than basketball does and certainly football does. Yeah, that doesn't like that redheaded uh, comment there. All right, we the, will. The, I, I'll put it. In, I'll put it in terms we can all understand. That game is the radio of. of oh wait, media. I don't like that either. Well, <laughs> radio is much higher standard than that. Be right back. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Thank you. Thank you for world-traveling rocket scientists. For tires bigger than your grandma's house. For 3D printing research. For artists in residency. Thank you for all the things that take us to the next level. Thank you for playing the lottery. For funding scholarships. For funding grants. For funding innovation in this state. Thank you. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow-roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at SCCattle.org. Beef. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. All right, we're back on Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network on this big Thursday night. Great to have you along with us. We come to you from the Dave & Buster studio right here in Columbia. Eat, drink, play, catch the big games all season. Even catch that game tonight in Charlotte. I'm sure they're streaming it. You can catch all the games all season long at Dave & Buster's, Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. And, of course, um, you've got the college games. You've got the NFL games. You've got the uh, NBA all of that for you, along with uh, great meals at Dave & Buster's. And, man, what uh, take the kids. That's the beautiful thing about Dave & Buster's. Uh, you can take the kids and shove them off into one part of the uh, operation there, let them play games and have a good time, and you can sit back and uh, have a cold one and watch a ball game or two while they're over there having fun. Dave & Buster's in uh, Columbia, Myrtle Beach, and Greenville. And our phone number, 888 South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. And since 2002, more than $999 million in lottery proceeds have been used to support K-12 through programs in South Carolina. Learn more about the lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash education wins. And playing for fun is a win for education. Get to your phone calls in just a moment. Of course, we've got South Carolina going down to Florida and Clemson hosting Louisville. Quick uh, little look ahead to those two games, I think, in terms of the Gamecocks and the Gators. You're talking about a situation where South Carolina 
maybe can and maybe will have to score points. And, I mean, I don't say that lightly. I don't, I'm not talking about 21 or 24. I mean, they, they need to pop it up into the 30s, I think, against Florida because I, I think Florida is going to run the ball on South Carolina. They run the ball extremely well with their quarterback and their three running backs, and they believe in their running game. Mm-hmm. Um, they will be without one of their receivers who's out with injury. Richardson is not a phenomenal passer, but he's a big guy, and he's hard to bring down. He's, he's hard to bring down when he turns the corner running the football. So, you know, I think the Gators are going to run the football. South Carolina may be limited in snaps if they give Florida long possession. So the Gamecocks are going to have to take advantage of their opportunities Florida's defense is susceptible to uh, giving up the ground game. Uh, you can you can run the ball on them. Uh, they're not a great defense. That's why I think this might be a high-scoring game. The Gamecocks put 40 on them last year in Columbia, and they ran the ball extremely well. I think they got to go with that same formula, uh, run the ball, and then pass off the run and, and try and be successful. But um, you know, the Gamecocks have been, believe it or not, they are – uh, next to last in the SEC, this might—I guess this is a good stat. They're next to last in the SEC in field goals attempted. Now they're nine for nine, but that means when they're getting it down the field or into the red zone, they're putting it in the end zone rather than kicking field goals. Or of course, sometimes they're faking field goals. Hey, that was going to be my point. Yeah. I mean, how many times do they get in field goal range and they fake the field goal? They're and I faking think field, field goals. Yeah. That, that's going to be part of the uh, the story on Saturday. They've got to find a way to, to score on special teams. They need to force some turnovers. They're pretty good when they score on special teams and or get a defensive score, as most teams are. And what's the health status of Marshawn Lloyd? Lloyd has got to play, I think, for them on Saturday because they've, they've got to keep Florida's offense off the field because we saw what happened last week at Vanderbilt when Vandy went with their running quarterback and how easily he was able to maneuver through USC's defense. They've got to find a way to stop the run for sure. All right, now Clemson, they're getting a, kind of a hot Louisville team now. They're starting to get their swagger back. and Of course, everything with them revolves around their fine quarterback, Malik Cunningham. This guy is really, really tough. And don't forget, it was a down-to-the-wire game at Louisville last year. And Cunningham nearly led them to that uh, come-from-behind victory, upset victory, made a marvelous, miraculous play down towards the end on a fourth-down pass that kept their drive alive. If I remember correctly, I think the Tigers had a goal-line stand down there at the end and kept Louisville out of the end zone for what would have been a a winning touchdown. So um, this is a Louisville team that kind of struggled early, but they've gotten better as the season has moved along. And, and Cunningham and the running backs, again, that's, and, and we saw how Clemson struggled against the run defensively last week at Notre Dame. They're going to have to refine their edge in uh, stopping the run on defense. And, of course, offensively, who knows? I uh, imagine you're going to see a heavy dose of Will Shipley and a heavy dose of the running game by Clemson against Louisville to try to take some of that pressure off the quarterback. I just don't understand why that has not been the uh, game plan since the get-go. I mean, they've got two of the best running backs in the ACC, and sometimes you forget they're even on the team, especially in in Phil Maffa. I think they underutilize him. Now, certainly Will Shipley is deserved to get the – first you know starting uh, starting running back rather his carries but good grief I think I'd lean heavily on their run game because I don't think anybody's proven that they can stop them and I'll be curious when we get Will married on a little bit later on tonight Phil what it's like to be an offensive line that just manhandles a defensive front 
And to me, this is probably going to be as much about pride from Clemson's perspective as it is what Louisville can do on Saturday. All right, let's get to some phone calls. Appreciate those of you uh, dialing in tonight. 888-898-2525 is the phone number. And um, we have, uh, oh, you're telling me we have Coach Knight right now? What we got? Yeah, so actually we have Newberry head football coach Todd Knight on the line with us. We had our wires crossed. Uh, I called him during the break. We thought 6.15 or 6.45, but if we're able to get him in now. Well, we've only got five minutes. That's too tight. Okay, I will let him know. Yeah. We'll call him back. We originally scheduled 6.45. I might have said 6.15 on the air, but then I went back and looked, and it was 6.45. So, Coach, we'll call you back at 6.45. <laughs> we just have, I don't want to squeeze him in in four minutes. I can't get a question out in four minutes. How can we get this an answer? True. How can we get an answer out in four minutes? So, with that being said, as soon as uh, Pat finishes up, we'll get to your phone calls. Yeah, he's good. He's got his own show at the top of the hour at 7 o'clock, so we'll warm him up for that. Hank in Columbia, welcome into Sports Talk. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine, Corn. Uh, now, Corn, you're going to get on the guy now. Let the NFL admit they were wrong. But but why why put the why give the officials the opportunity <laughs> to make a mistake? I mean, well, actually, when it, why can't when you it, just leave that, your helmet on? When that occurred and it came off, you know, first of all, that's I, I I would say that too. If you didn't have these cameras down in the end zone, as soon as they score a touchdown and come off the field, they push the camera right up into their face so they can say something. Mm. It, it, and that was basically what has happened. It, it happens a ton. It was just that the official threw it wrong, and then the NFL realized. Oh man, that shouldn't have been a flag. <laughs> but but uh <laughs> That doesn't do the Panthers any good though. The bottom line no, is he forced them to kick a long extra point, he missed it, and then they end up losing the game. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Afterwards. And Corn, the girl, the five star commit that committed to the her name is Full Wiley, not Full Willie. Are you always? <laughs> you know, I was wondering about that today, how I was gonna pronounce it. I'm it's glad you Wiley. got it right. Malaysia it's Full Wiley. Full yeah, Wiley. Yeah. Okay. She's a good player. Yeah, she, she, She's a good player, in your opinion. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She actually, you know, they have multiple rankings like the football does, and there are a couple of rankings where she's ranked the second player in the country, and some that she's ranked like the sixth player in the country. So she's anywhere from second to eleven or twelve, whatever. She's in the one, the ESPN one. So, but she's the star. She, she's won four. She's played in five state championships and won four of them. <laughs> yeah, I remember hearing about her when she was in like the eighth grade. And now seventh grade. She, she won. Well, she, won grade. she won her first one in seventh grade. Yeah. She, but yeah, she, she's, she's yeah. real. She's real good. She's real good. She's real good. Well, that's what that's what you got to do. That's what we got to start doing in football, though. We got to start keeping our our talent home. <laughs> you got to keep the talent home. Yeah, I'm starting to wonder, and I'm going to talk about this in recruiting for the Gamecocks. I'm starting to wonder uh, about Xavier McLeod now because he's doing some 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 stuff. Yeah, look, you're you're a kid, you can do stuff in recruiting, but as a committed player, I mean, he put an Instagram photo out today. He was all in uh, Miami gear. Uh he went and visited Florida a couple of weeks Florida, ago. Yeah. So I'm I'm really starting to wonder what's, you know, if there's a little bit of a separation starting to take place here between player uh-huh. and committed program. We shall see. We shall see. Yep, you, you wonder about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hank, thank you very much. But, Great hearing from you. Take care of yourself. Phil to, Phil, to Hank's point, anytime I see, and, and the young lady from Keenan had, I think, four other teams on there, and South Carolina was one of them, it's almost like Clemson used to be in recruiting. As if, if Dawn Staley's in the mix, she's getting that player. She's gotten to the point now with her program, she can pick and choose whomever she wants. 
And anytime anybody else is going up against them, I, I feel sorry for them because they're not getting that player, especially a, a South Carolinian. Do you think that she has passed Gino Ariema at UConn now? In terms of maybe where the program is at, at this juncture, correct. That I mean, and Gino is still the, the standard, but yeah, I think I think she's if she hasn't passed him, she's certainly is, standing on his heels. Is Gino the standard? I mean, standards can change. I, he I, was I, the standard. Maybe mm-hmm. he established the standard, but she's supplanted him and surpassed the standard, and she now yep. sets the standard. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, come on, let's face it. Um, there's a lot. I mean. Oriyama still gets great players, okay? They still want to go play for UConn. Uh, but head-to-head here recently, who's had the upper hand? Mm-hmm. You know, both in the national setting and in the regular season setting. Uh, so I'd have to say right now, uh, she is the standard. Well, and maybe last year at the national championship game, that was actually the passing of the torch. Might well have been. From Gino over to Dawn. I mean, you know, she's got a lot of things going her way right now. And... Um, no reason to think that she's taking her foot off the gas anytime mm-hmm. soon. All right, going to hit the break. Here on Sports Talk, we'll take more calls after the break. Don't go away. Yeah. All right, Shane Beamer on his call-in show tonight, according to Ben Portnoy of the state talking about the injuries. So, as we've known, reserve DB, though he's not a reserve, he started last week, B.J. Gibson, safety, he's out. Hamstring injury he suffered last week. Marshawn Lloyd practiced Wednesday, and in Beamer's words, we'll see how things go. Uh, So, that usually means you don't play. Uh, Thigh contusion, he didn't practice last week. Uh, He practiced Wednesday. We'll see how things go. So not work again. out on Thursdays? Yeah, but he's not meeting with the media anymore between now and game time. So No, but I mean, did they not practice earlier today? Oh, today is Thursday, isn't it? Uh, he didn't mention that. I'm only telling you that's, what he said on what his I radio find, show. Yeah, right, I saw that. I just find that a bit curious that mm-hmm. he did not mention uh, what happened Well, in apparently there today. wasn't a follow-up question about what happened in practice today. <laughs> he doesn't exactly get pressed on his <laughs> that, call-in that show. Be, wouldn't that be a natural, okay, he practiced yesterday. How about today, Coach? Yeah. Because so, today would have been their last full practice before they head down to Gainesville. Again, I mean, Beamer, unless, unless he knows a tomorrow. guy's going to play, and he says that when he hems and haws about a guy playing, about 95% of the time that guy doesn't play. That's why I don't expect, as based on this, I'm not expecting Lloyd to play. I'm, I'm only going by what I see here. And, so if that's the case, do you make Jaheim Bell more your – running back because Marcus Satterfield was saying earlier this week he reminded him of old school sort of 1980s level SEC backs because of his size and build I mean is that something you think they would do offensively to make sure because it's a whole lot easier to make sure Jaheim Bell gets touches if he's in the backfield and you just hand it to him well just like they did against Vandy right exactly exactly. put him in the backfield put him in the slot put him at tight end move him in motion they'll do more of those uh in the round plays um a little more trickeration. Yeah, I think all that's got to come mm-hmm. into play. They've got to have another big day offensively. They've got to have another good day of calling plays, creative plays, and executing it well because they're going to give up points to this Florida team, so they better sure. be prepared to, to score some points. All right, that is the latest from that. So we go back to your phone calls. Coach Knight at 45. 
And uh, we are coming to you from the Dave and Buster's studios here in uh, Columbia. I'm very happy to, to be here with you from there for that. And we go to uh, Bobby and Casey. Next up, Bobby, good to have you with us. Welcome into Sports Talk. Hello, Phil. Hello, Pat. Hello, Chris. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Hello, sir. Long-time listener, long-time caller, Phil. This is your first birthday as a new grandparent, correct? Grandfather. Well, Happy birthday, the, Phil. first of all, you're, you're a few days early, but thank you. Okay. And, and no, Happy no, birthday, no. Phil. Thank you. I've got four, so I've I've you got had, four. I, I've got four. Yeah, I've got a ten-year-old. So I've had oh, grandchildren for ten years, man. Yeah. Oh, okay. But thank you anyway. Your first, first one you went to Chicago for. Well, for the son, that was his first one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, congratulations. The, the daughter. The daughter has spit out three, and he just got okay. his first. Okay, so now for Hanukkah, you're going to have to buy, what, four times the presents, right? That's correct. And eight days in a row, so that's 32 presents you got to pay up for. That's good math. Right? That's good math. All right. You've got to earn some checkbooks here. Bye, Bill. Happy birthday. Take care. <laughs> thank you. It's not birthday yet either, but thank you. Know, you for you know the polite response would have been just thank you. <laughs> You didn't have to call him out on the air for being wrong, Phil. Come on, well, no, I mean, in to uh, congratulate well, you on being uh, popcorn a well, fourth time. Well, he was a little early on the birthday. Uh, we no all everybody knows known. it comes up in November, and uh, but the the kids that's you know they've been around for a while. So but I appreciate, but he just happened to catch on to the most recent one that that joined the fray. Uh, I'm impressed that he even remembered that. What you got? Well, just speaking of what Bobby said and the 32 upcoming uh, Hanukkah presents, this segment brought to you by Dave and Buster's, where you can go and eat, drink, be merry, and play sports. <laughs> Gift cards galore from Dave and That's Buster's. That's a great point. That's a great point. Should I not have used the word spit out in referring to my daughter having uh, children? Spit out three of them. I about spit out my water when you said it laughing so hard. Spit out. Okay, uh, let's go to uh, Gamecock Larry. Appreciate Gamecock Larry tuning in to us instead of the coaches show. That I take that as a uh, a recommendation for, for this show um, over all others. Uh, Gamecock Larry, welcome in. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Phil, uh, last weekend, Marshawn didn't travel. This week, he's going to travel. So that's just completely, I will say, he will be in the backfield. Do you do you have some inside information, Gamecock Larry? I I get the, I I got my research firm going. I got the best research firm in the country. You know, I got the, them all them old fake calls I've been getting all the time. Hmm. I put my research firm on it, and I found out it took him a while, but he found out who that was, and it was old Rude Hog from Gilbert, America. Some guy called Rudolph. He been calling me and calling me for well, I guess a year, year and a half. Hmm. But I ain't heard I ain't heard from him since we since we uncovered him. I I can't get a message. I can't get no call or nothing. I try to I'm trying to call him out now on your maybe he'd be listening to your show. Maybe he can call me. But oh Rudolph, I got the resource for him. I can tell you. Marshawn Lord will be in the backfields this coming Saturday. Now let me tell you about another one. Oh, oh, uh, Lord, 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 uh, let me think. Of, oh, Gator Ryan, Gator Ryan, I got your message. 
Gator Ryan, you made you said you're waiting on us to come to Florida. Well, let me tell you something, Gator Ryan. You might be waiting on us to come to Florida, but you sure gonna be glad to see us leave. I guarantee you. Talking about revenge, you don't know what revenge is. You ain't big enough to even think about revenge. You ain't gonna get no revenge on these game cops. I'll guarantee you, your quarterback gonna get sacked at least four times. You're gonna have about three or four false starts, and you're gonna have a. We're gonna have a couple interceptions. We're gonna win the game. And I'm gonna no, I ain't gonna tell you how to predict the score tomorrow night. I'll predict the score tomorrow night. No, we can't well, wait. You, we on the way, Gator Ryan. We on the way. And you gonna oh Lord, you're gonna be so glad when we leave, because you're gonna be well, that's about all I got to say, Mr. Phil. All right. Enjoy it. Thank you. And have a good day. Thank and, you. Uh, have a good evening. Thank you. But I, but I will, I will tell you tomorrow who's gonna win this game. But ain't no don't no, I ain't worried about it. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Larry. We appreciate that. By the way, Florida's only allowed nine sacks this season. So they're doing a good job. Of, yeah, their offensive line is very good. And Richardson's mobile. I mean, no he's doubt, hard no to doubt. sack. He's tough. Yeah, exactly. He's hard to sack, and uh, they're not going to give up a bunch of sacks. All right, we got to run to the break. On the other side, uh, we're going to find out about uh, Newberry and uh, what's ahead for them coming up here on uh, Saturday at Setzler Field. Got a big playoff game. First one, first ever South Atlantic Conference Championship playoff game. Coach Todd Knight of Newberry joins us after the break here on Sports Talk. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games set from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Your home is where your memories live. It's where you laugh and where you love. We understand the importance of the valuables under your roof, tangible and intangible alike. So no matter what's around the corner, we'll be there, offering you and your family the support that's made Farm Bureau Insurance a trusted name for nearly 70 years. You deserve more. You deserve a promise. Learn more at scfbins.com. Call me, Alex Satterfield, at 803 803- 749-9171 for all of your Midlands insurance needs. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com.
right, we're back on Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. We welcome into the program the head football coach of the Newberry College Wolves coach Todd Knight Championship Playoff Weekend over at the Berry. Good evening, Coach. How are you? How are we doing, my friend? We are doing great, sir. How's everything with you? Well, uh, just dried out a little bit. Uh, practice was a little wet, mm. but uh, it was enthusiastic. And uh, the kids are fired up. You know, it's a, a big one here in the Berry this weekend. We've had uh, three or four in a row that's been really big games, and they've just kind of built on themselves bigger and bigger. And, and uh, we put ourselves in a good position right here to, to, to play for all of it right now. Now, I have to apologize that I did so earlier because this whole thing about a South Atlantic Conference championship game kind of snuck up on me. I missed it, I guess, back when it was announced. And all of a sudden, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I see where you guys are going to be hosting it. So give us the background on that. What was the philosophy, the thinking of the league, and what does the winner, besides winning the championship, what do you, uh, what do you get from it? Is anything related to the national playoffs? <laughs> Well, you know, uh, in, in my 20 years of being associated here at Newberry College, uh, we've never had a SAC championship game. So I'm assuming we've never had one in the history of the conference. Yeah. It's always been best record, and if a tiebreaker, you know, that they would meet and flip a coin, that kind of thing, back, uh, back 20 years ago. But finally, uh, the league got together with the commissioner, and everybody decided that we would split it into two divisions a Mountain Division and a Piedmont Division. And uh, those divisional championship games were played last week. We were at Wingate and, and came out, you know, uh, looking pretty good right there. And then Mars Hill, uh, they beat Tusculum. So they're the Mountain Champions. We are the Piedmont Champions. And on the original schedule, when it was released uh, at, at the beginning of the year, we had Mars Hill scheduled as the last game and we were going to host the conference championship. But it had an asterisk out beside it. This could change. But everything fell into place, and it stayed exactly the way that everybody uh, organized it at the beginning of the year. Yeah, you know, that kind of confused me because I put my schedule together in the preseason, and I had Mars Hill already down playing at at your place this weekend, so it just worked out that way. It it, it just fell into place, Phil. You know, just one of those things, and – you know, it, I, I think it's a great thing that the league's done. You know, it gives the kids something extra to play for. Never had a divisional championship. You know, that was something that we played up last week. Let's go be the first ever in the history of the SAC Conference. Let's go be the first ever divisional champions. You know, everybody's had an opportunity to win the conference, but you've never won the conference championship game. So there's a lot of first here and a lot of a lot of excitement around it. I bet. Talking with Coach Todd Knight from Newberry College. So what about this matchup with Mars Hill? Uh, and what's the health of your team? I know there was a time there you were without your quarterback. You got him back. Uh, how's everybody feeling going into this? And what's the big concern about the Lions? <clears throat> well, you know, this time of year, I think everybody's a little beat up. Our quarterback has been back in for the last couple of weeks and uh, performing well. Uh, our tailback's having a heck of a year, Mario Anderson. He just broke the single-season rushing record. has uh, been in place for 20-something years. Uh, but, again, 
I think everybody is a little beat up this time of year. Uh, you know, bumps and bruises, typical football stuff. We're about as healthy as we can be at this time of year. I hope that Mars Hill's in the same kind of uh, boat that we are. They're a very good team. You know, the, the Mountain Champs, uh, you know, they, they, uh, Coach Clifton does a heck of a job up there with them. They've got some really good ball players. It's going to be a typical sack game, but this one's for all the marbles. Mm-hmm. Coach, I wanted to expound further on Mario Anderson because when I think of running backs, and Newberry has had its stable of running backs over the years, the first guy that always comes to mind is, is Vic Gilmore, who uh, is all over the, uh, the history books with regards to all-time great running backs at Newberry College. Where does Obviously, Mario is, is as talented, if not a little bit better, but what does he bring to the table for you in terms of being a complete back? Well, Mario's pushing him, but I, I don't want to put him in that uh, the category of a Vic Gilmore right now. <laughs> Vic Gilmore is the man at Newberry College. Don't <laughs> be mistaken about that. Mario is really good for us at this time frame in his career. You know, he's a redshirt sophomore. He's still got two years left to play. You know, uh, if we get lucky, maybe he'll have, have an opportunity to get into conversation with Vic Gilmore. But, uh, Mario, what he brings to the table for us, you know, a combination of power, speed. The kid plays the the running back position like a linebacker. He he runs violent. Uh, You know, it's like he wants to to hand out the punishment, not the defender. And, uh, you know, the kid is a heck of a leader. Uh, He's one of those kids at practice that is always on point. He's out there. You know, in, a, in in our hurry-up offense, you know, we, we call him the Indy Package. He's yelling at everybody to get set, do this, do that. He, he is a take charge, you know, uh, all business kind of guy. Speaking of Mars Hill, and if you guys are able to win, Phil and I were trying to uh, sort of look into the future for you with regards to the D2 playoffs. And if memory serves for me, uh, conference championships at the D2 level don't think necessarily carry an automatic bid to the postseason. Is that correct? And if it, if it is, how would you guys get into the postseason? Well, you know, uh, and again, in my 20 years of being associated with the league, I've never seen a conference champion not make the playoffs. Hmm. Uh, you know, if we get lucky enough to win this game, we'll have just as good a record as anybody else in the league and teams that are ranked above us that we have beaten. So, uh, you know, if you've beaten somebody that's ranked above you and you've won the conference championship, I don't see any way that they can keep us out. The league, your division in the league, really tough this year. I mean, I don't know that anybody, maybe you did knowing the league, but I'm not sure anybody saw limestone uh, coming up and being a factor Uh, like they were this year. Where'd they come from? Uh, no question. I mean, new coaching staff, and they pumped a lot of money into it. And done a great job. Got to give them all the credit in the world. You know, uh, they they're going to have the same record, uh, hopefully, as we do if we win this ball game. And everybody's tied up at the head to head. Well, you look at it with us and wing it and that kind of thing. You know, we are the divisional champs and and got an opportunity to play for the conference championship. But what a great year they've had. But uh, hopefully, you know, uh, if we take care of business on Saturday, that we'll have a spot and somebody's going to lose one. I don't know who it's going to be, but it's going to be hard to say, okay, we're going to keep Newberry out of it. Mm -hmm. 
And if that happens, I don't know, my friend. I, I may get banned from college football if that happens. <laughs> Last thing, we'll let you go. Should you? I'm not one. I'm not worried about getting fired because the president said that he'd be right there beside me. He would get banned from football, too. Last thing, because I know you got your own show coming up uh, in a few minutes. So if you are fortunate yes, enough yes. to win on Saturday uh, and make the playoffs, uh, what's your feeling about possibly hosting? Because I know last year you had to go on the road twice. What about possibly hosting? Yeah, last year, yeah. Yeah, last year we went back-to-back nine-hour rides. We left and went to Pensacola, Florida, uh, and jumped in the ocean huh. and won. Then we went nine hours to uh, Bowie, Maryland, and a snowstorm and lost. This year, you know, look, Phil, man, if we get lucky enough to make the playoffs, I don't care. I don't care. I'll get on the bus. I'll get on the plane. I'd be happy to stay at home. I don't care where they send us or if they tell us to stay at the house. I just want to get in it. I just want to be a part of it. Our kids, I feel like they deserve it. And, uh, you know, it's a special time, and there's nothing like the playoffs. No question about that. Coach, we always thank you for being with us. Uh, Good luck this weekend. Hope to be talking more football with you down the road. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. Coach. All right, Coach Todd Knight from Newberry. Good luck to them. Good luck to Benedict as Benedict tries to win their championship game in their league and try and parlay that into a an appearance in the national playoffs. So good luck to those folks moving forward. Uh, let me update a couple of things. First of all, our poll question of the week has been a very popular poll question. 646 votes. Basically, if Clemson finishes 12-1, and one, would they deserve one of the four playoff spots? 85.4% of the 637 voters say no. 14.6% say yes, they do. Had lunch today with somebody who's really good at figuring out the potentials for bowl season and where people might fall. And right now, he, just based on what he sees and what could happen and what could happen with the SEC, for example, he's got South Carolina in the Music City Bowl in Nashville. Because as we talked about earlier in the week, the way things might play out, there could be two SEC teams in the playoffs, three teams in the New Year's Day six, three teams that won't make it. And so South Carolina, by virtue of the SEC not having enough teams to fill every slot, would move up the pecking order, uh, even if they don't win another game and finish six and six. Now, win more games, then you move up in the pecking order. So this is based on, you know, and let's face it, Right now, no one's expecting the Gamecocks to win three games here down the stretch. You're expected to go 0-3, but they might surprise on Saturday. But that would put them in the Music City Bowl, and I wouldn't mind another trip back to Nashville. I think Gamecock fans the Gamecocks. Would be, yeah, I think Gamecock fans would be excited about that. Now, Clemson, uh, how about Clemson, Alabama in the Orange Bowl? Ooh. But here's the question he brought up, which is an excellent question. I mean, how many of the current players will actually play in that bowl game? How many will play and how many will wow. opt out? You know, last year you give Clemson credit. Those guys, nobody opted out. They were playing in the uh, Cheez-It Bowl. Nobody opted out. And I think a lot of that was because they they were going to come back and play this year and play for, they thought, a national championship. Mm-hmm. Now, right. as it looks right now, if Clemson doesn't make the playoffs, you're a Clemson player. You've been there three, four years. Uh, do you opt out and go ahead and get started on your your pro journey? Same thing with Alabama. 
you know, you think Bryce Young's needs to play in an Orange Bowl against Clemson versus going ahead and getting ready? Will Anderson? Yeah. So, I mean, you don't know, and this is the world we're in today, and it's kind of, you know, it's kind of sad, but I've come, I mean, I hated it when McCaffrey, I think, was a, well, he was one of the first. There was another one. Oh, it was uh, the running back from LSU, I think, was the first. But he had an injury. I don't think McCaffrey had a, no. a real injury. Um, who am I, the, the running back from LSU, uh, come on, plays for the Bucks. Uh, oh, Leonard Fournette. Yeah, yeah. I think Fournette was the first one. If you go back and check history, I think he was the first one when his team was going to a bowl game to say, I'm not playing. Um, he was dealing, I think, with a little bit of an injury. Uh, anyway, now it's, it's, it's just part of, the, part of the plan. But, I mean, you could have a situation where, let's just say Clemson, you could have a Cade Klubnik starting at quarterback because Uyangalele's moved on. Not just for, for pros, we're talking about folks hitting the transfer portal, yeah. too. You don't know what your, what your roster is going to look like when you go to a bowl game anymore. So what looks on paper like a glorious uh, NYD6 matchup, Clemson-Alabama, woo, look at this. But they might be a shell of themselves. Could you imagine Just speaking the out loud outcry? Here. Yeah, could you imagine the outcry that the Orange Bowl has teams on both sides, players opting out of that game because they're not in the playoffs? And listen, in the world of NIL, now you could come back and say this. That might keep them perfectly legal. You might say, "Hey, look, man, you know, we'll get you a five hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars or something another to stay and play the game or whatever." Um, so, in this day of NIL, that might be the case. Um, then again, if there's none of that. What's bowl gifts to these guys, you know, these days after having made this NIL money during the season? We'll be back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, welcome back, everybody. Big Thursday night edition of Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. We're coming to you from the Dave and Buster's studio here in Columbia. Eat, drink, play, catch all the games all season long. Dave and Buster's, Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Missed our first hour. You Missed a lot. Had some great phone calls. A visit with Todd Knight from Newberry. They get ready for the South Atlantic Conference Championship game on Saturday afternoon at Setzler Field against Mars Hill. Covered a lot of ground on USC Clemson football and talked a little bit about uh, the USC Clemson basketball game coming up tomorrow night. I think they'll have a pretty good crowd for that. Again, no home football game, but again, uh, folks will be going down to Gainesville uh, that won't be a huge number of fans, so I imagine right. there's plenty of students and plenty of regular fans uh, and Clemson fans who'll be around yep. who want to go to that ball game tomorrow night. So I'd expect a decent crowd. Well, let's face it. There are enough Carolina and Clemson fans in Columbia and the surrounding areas alone to fill up the CLA every night. I mean, I, quite frankly, I thought uh, Lamont Paris was pretty polite to his fan base by saying how great the crowd was on Tuesday. Mm. Just watching it on television, and you got over there, Phil. I, didn't, I was not impressed at all for the season opener. Kind of disappointed, but I, I get it. Gamecock fans are still waiting. They need something to generate, you know, their their interest in men's basketball, and a win tomorrow night might might go a long way in doing that. 
because they haven't beaten Clemson in a couple of years. No, win tomorrow night would be, you know, a big boost for them. Also a big boost for Clemson. So, you know, either no, no way, doubt. last year's game was a lousy game up at Clemson in that the Gamecocks, because of COVID, I think that was last year. They played yes. shorthanded, right? They got hit yep. by some COVID issues last year. They played shorthanded. By the way, for those who are wondering, uh, Frank Martin and his UMass team, uh, they play in Conway a week from today, an uh, afternoon game in that tournament at the HTC Center there, Chris. Yeah, the Myrtle Beach Invitational. He's hoping his team at UMass plays a whole lot better than his team at South Carolina did when they came over to face Coastal last year. And they got the doors blown off of them by the uh, Shauna Clears. The, that uh, that – you know, you start thinking back to uh, games that may have been the final straw with regards to Frank Martin and not a knock on Cliff Ellis's club at all because they played extremely well. But you wonder if that, that may have been the uh, point where Ray Tanner said, you know what, probably need to make a change at the end of the year. In case you're just wondering, you probably weren't, but on Monday, Frank Martin began his career at UMass against Central Connecticut State and was a 94-67 winner. And they're just tipping off now against Towson. And then a week from today, 1.30, they play Colorado. I mean, they got some good teams mm-hmm. in that event, so I'm looking forward. I plan on being there to, to take that in in the afternoon there next Thursday. So, anyway, some of the stuff we've been talking about, but right now it is time to welcome into Sports Talk once again the man known worldwide as the pastor of pain, but his close friends like us know him as Corey Miller. It's the Pastor of Pain Time here on Sports Talk. Good evening, Corey. How are you? Doing well, guys. Uh, yeah, it sounds weird you calling me Corey Miller, but yeah, that's, <laughs> that sounds kind of pedestrian. That is your birth it. name. I do believe it is your, your birth name, so that's yeah. kind of how we like to refer to you. Uh, so before we get into a, a bunch of other stuff, we were talking about this in the last half hour. Joe, so it's Clemson and Alabama. Let's just say uh, they they play they line up to play each other in like the Orange Bowl. But as Pat was looking it up, between the two teams, you got about fifteen guys or so, 13, 15 potential NFL draft picks and guys who'll be picking top four rounds. Would you expect that there'd be mass exodus from both teams after the regular season by guys who'll say, you know what? I've given it enough. It's time for me to move on now to the NFL side of things. That's a good question. I, I don't know. I, you know, knowing uh, you know a lot of guys at Alabama, and knowing that you know what Coach Saban will definitely try to uh, explain to his guys. You know, if, if they're bona fide first round type guys, he would get it. I don't think he has a problem with that. Um, and they definitely got three or four guys probably that's going to go in the first round. So, yeah, I, I could see some guys are not playing, uh, you know. But, again, I understand both ways. I know a lot of people don't like it, and a lot of people say that, hey, you're not finishing things up with your team. But it is what it is at this point uh, because guys are trying to protect their future. And, and uh, you know, being that I did it for a number amount of years, I understand it, I get it. Uh, you got to do that. I mean, at some point you want to go get an early start, start your training and sign with an agent and move on with your career. So if they do choose to do that, I wouldn't have a problem with it. But I don't think it's going to be that many guys. I think you'll have a couple here or there, you know, maybe a Bryce Young. You know, maybe you say, hey, you've know, you got the shoulder injury, no need to go out there and, and try to, you know, win a game. You've done enough already for this program. And, you know, we're going to move on to, to Miro, let him go get some snaps and reps, and we'll be just fine. So 
I can see that happening, but I don't think it's going to be a, a ton of guys. Given that opportunity back in your day, is it something you think you would have done? If, if it was going to benefit me, you know, if I was going to be a, a high draft pick, yeah, I would definitely say, you know what, I'm out. But if I needed to do more uh, against a, a worthy opponent and try to increase the, my value, then I'm going to play in the ball game. And so, uh, you know, today they got insurance, you got all the stuff that you can protect and cover yourself with. So, you know, depending on where, where I felt like I was at, you know, not just by what an agent tells me, but if I got back my report and it said, hey, you're going to be a first-rounder, I probably would have set out that ball game and, and started training. But if not, I'm going to try to continue to increase my value along with an all-star game after that. So I will continue to keep playing just based on what my draft status would be. All right, let's talk about the games this past weekend. Uh, Phil, if I may, yes. I hate to interrupt, but I did want to ask Corey one other you thing about that, and we can go move, ahead. move on. I, Sorry about that, guys. Just but, uh, barge right on in. <laughs> Corey, fans get so upset when this kind of stuff happens. Uh, I think back to Debo Samuel and all Gamecock fans who loved him throughout his career, really upset that he did not play in the bowl game prior to going into the NFL. How does the team, in your mind, how do the players actually take maybe one of their star players sitting out or opting out of a bowl game? Is there dissension in the locker room because of that, or are they pretty happy because uh, that guy's got an opportunity? No problem at all. I mean, the players are fine, and they understand because most of them, if in that position, would probably do the same thing. So, you know, you know, all these guys, are when they come to college, most of them, I would say probably 80% of them thinking, hey, I, I want an opportunity to get to the league. This kind of the – the bridge to get me there, and, and players understand that. So, you know, when, when the teammates make a decision, they support them, they, they're happy for them, and uh, they move on, uh, and they go out and try to win the ball game based on who's there. And I think for the most part, coaches do understand that. They know that's, that's part of the process these days. So, But, but to answer your question, now nah, there's no dissension, there's no uh, animosity, there's no anger or bitterness toward the individual that chooses to do that. I mean, that's their feature. I mean, that's that's what they're trying to do, make a living for them and their families. And, and you know, it, you only have a, a, a short window of time to do that. So I think most guys are, are happy and, and excited for guys to go take advantage of that opportunity. Visiting with the Pastor of Pain, Corey Miller here on yeah. Sports Talk. The Pastor of Pain. So what was that wrong? good, man. What was wrong with Clemson's run defense against Notre Dame? They just physically got whooped. You know, Dabo said it best. I mean, they, you know, they got the tails kicked. He didn't say it that way, but they did. Uh, uh, physically dominated, got knocked back, pushed around. They didn't change the line of scrimmage. You know, you used to looking at Clemson's uh, defensive front. They play on the other side of the ball. They're in the backfield. They're dictating what the running back does. You didn't see a lot of that in this ball game. And, and you know, we talked about this. I thought Notre Dame's offensive line was really good. I've been watching the last couple of weeks. They've uh, you know, got a couple of new backs uh, in that lineup, uh, you know, did have run the ball very well. They had big tight ends. And I think that's the way you, you match up with the Clemson front because they like the stunt. They move around. They're hitting gaps. That's how they play defense up there. And, and Notre Dame did a great job of neutralizing that, getting pushed, running downhill, you know, cutting off those linebackers. And, and it was a great game plan. But I, I had questions before the game, and you heard me say this. Mm-hmm. I you know, I saw Florida State. I've, I've seen uh, other teams have success running the ball against the front. They're not the same. They don't have those Alpha dudes up there anymore. They don't have 
that that front front eight like they had. You know, they can rotate and guys were you know it didn't fall off. They don't have that type of player on defense right now. They got KJ Henry, some guys, but they're not physical guys. They're they're not physical guys. I was talking to some folks uh, earlier today. I was up there doing the TV show and uh, that that played at Clemson, and that's one of the things that has been said is that they really lack that physicality, that that really go get them. Uh, you know, that guy that can really just say, hey, man, let's go ball out. They don't have that anymore. Uh, it's been more finesse. Now, if you're getting second and long, third and long, you let them rush the passer, they're great. But when it's just, man, mano a mano, man oh man, they haven't done so well. So uh, it, it wasn't shocking to me that Notre Dame had had the success that they had two 100-yard rushes in that ball game. Yeah. And then offensively, the revolving door – Situation there at quarterback to uh, to some degree, uh, they're sticking with DJ Uyangale uh, still at this point, uh, but there's now you, you, the, the the seed of doubt has certainly been planted in his mind and everybody else's mind. So, I mean, they need him to go out and have a super game, or they continue to uh, to flip things around there at quarterback. I guess moving forward, what do you see there? Well, he hasn't been great, but except for you know maybe Wake Forest game and. And, and, you know, was pretty good against Florida State. But it wasn't just overly impressive. They don't have, again, that dude on the outside. They don't have the explosive, you know, those, those big plays, those, those chunk plays, receivers that can really line up and take one-on-one coverage and beat their guy. They don't have that on the outside. On the, outside. the offensive line has been just okay. Uh, you know, the run game, solid but not great. Will Shipley's a nice running back, but not a, not a guy that's going to scare you. Um, and that's the problem with this offense. Back in the day with Trevor, you know, and Deshaun Watson, uh, they had dudes, man. You you had to you had to defend. You had to pick your poison against some of those offensive weapons that they've had. They don't have that anymore. Uh, and so when you when you look at their offense, it's just okay. Uh, last year it was just okay. Uh, and so you got two years of this offense, no Tony Elliott, uh, and it's been bad. So for me, I started to look at. Uh, Brandon Streeter. I started to look at the defensive coordinator and, and, and say, what are, the, what are these guys doing? Is it the talent, you know, or is it the scheme? And I see a little bit of both. I think the scheme has been bad offensively. They hadn't run a lot of things that they've done in the past where they try to get guys in space and, and utilize their ability. Um, so this is a team that, you know, I never felt, and I've been saying this since I've been on with you and before, that there were this is not a playoff team. Even though they were undefeated, nobody was overly impressed with Clemson. Uh, they was they was getting by. Uh, they was coming from behind to beat teams like Syracuse and uh, struggling against a team like Wake Forest. And we've seen uh, what that, those two teams have done. So, you know, they they're just not there. Uh, and I think Alabama. You mentioned the two teams, uh, even though they lost two games, but on the road in hostile environments, uh, by a total of four points. And, and so I think they are in much better shape than where Clemson is. Clemson is. It's taken a big step back, in my opinion, uh, a, a big, big step. And, and, man, I think this week going to be a telltale, too, because Louisville's playing better football. Malik Cunningham is back. Uh, this team can score. And their defense of Louisville's been playing pretty salty as well. So uh, we'll see how they bounce back. Will that, that one loss cost, uh, cost them, too? Uh, and we'll see how they respond. But I think, man, it, it's, very, it's very finicky right now for the Tigers. Mm, good points. Jeff Scott's looming out there now after getting fired from um, USF. I mean, do you, you don't expect that Sweeney's going to 
shake up his staff or anything like that after this season because, I mean, he hired, he put the guys in place. That'd be an admission of making a mistake. Well, he, he made a mistake. I mean, but I think two of them, you know, what we've seen, Phil, is what Alabama has dealt with the last six years, right? Losing great coordinators, becoming head coaches, but they have been able to overcome that uh, up until this season for the most part. I, I think it was a mistake. Uh, and the hires that he made with these coordinators, I really do. And I think it's okay to admit, hey, this was – I gave my guys a chance. These guys have been with me. I wanted to promote from within. That's who Dabo is. You know, he wanted to take his guys. He don't like the transfer portal. So I think both of those things, the hires not utilizing the transfer portal, cost them, and that's pride. Sometimes your pride will get in the way. It comes before fall. It really does, and I think he made a mistake with these two coordinators, and I would not be shocked if Jeff Scott or somebody else. I wouldn't go back to that maybe, but I may look around to see if I can find me an offensive coordinator that's innovative, that's, that can utilize these five and four stars that they get every single year and get back to the Clemson football because he did, in my opinion, and I said this to Pat Sapp today who played at Clemson, that I thought that was one of the two of the biggest mistakes he made was of those coordinators. When you lose a Brent Venables, you lose Elliott. Those guys were good, and they stayed a long time. But we're seeing now what happens when you lose those types of coaches. Corey, one final thought on the Clemson offense, and then we move forward. Uh, last night, Chuck Reedy brought up an interesting point. And when he watches them play, and to your point about the scheme, he sees them trying to go too much sideline to sideline instead of vertically down the field. Is that, in your mind, one of the problems? Maybe they don't test the, uh, the downfield passing game enough? Absolutely. That's what I keep saying, you know, those chunk plays, those explosive plays. That, you know, and I think they don't have that guy. They don't have a Mike Williams out there. They don't have a D-Hop out there. You know, those guys that go get the ball, play basketball, go up and rebound it. They don't have those guys anymore. Um, those guys on the outside, to me, just are okay. And I think maybe that's why we don't see them uh, throwing it down the field as much. And they don't have – I mean, Williams is going to be a nice player in the slot. But, you know, they don't have consistency there. They're, to me, their biggest – more consistent weapons have been their tight ends in the passing game. And so, yeah, they just got a plethora of problems, in my opinion, offensively. They got to work out. I mean, I know Dabo's a loyal man and wants to be loyal to DJ Uyunglele. But, you know, this team has is, 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 is got to find some, some, some more pieces. I think you got to drop his pride. You got to go in the portal. You got to get some guys that can come in and, and, and fit what you're doing and, and try to, you know, get more innovative. If not, I mean, this team, I see Louisville, and, I, and I, I even see a South Carolina. If they can continue to get better, that's going to test them in a couple of weeks. So, um, you know, they're not used to losing like that up there in the upstate. So I believe Dabo is going to do some, some different things here in the near future. All right, let's turn the attention to the Gamecocks. Vanderbilt, their victim last weekend, they did some good things in all three phases, but it was Vanderbilt. What do you take away from that game that maybe uh, – is something to build on going into the Florida game. Well, getting another win on the road is, is always in conference is good and impressive. And uh, I love the fact that, you know, Coach Satterfield has listened to all of us, hmm. you know, and said, hey, I need to put the ball in the hands of my playmakers. We saw the amount of touches Jaheim Bell got. We saw the carry on Jonah, another guy getting the ball game and not just getting there and run a quarterback counter, you know, through the ball. I mean, so I thought that was a really – that's the good thing in this ball game. The bad and the slash ugly thing to me is the defensive uh, front. Mm -hmm. The defense as a whole struggled stopping the run. 
Uh, you know, Vanderbilt, as you said, it's Vanderbilt, but they ran the ball extremely well against our defense. So, you know, even though the offense got better, then the defense took a step backwards, in my opinion. So you got you to sure that up. I know they got some injuries and things like that going on. You're going down to Gainesville, a team that uh, can run the football. That's what they do. Uh, that's going to be a huge challenge for South Carolina. But I was more impressed with the offense that, hey, okay, this is what you do. This is what smart coaches do. If you want to win games, you got to utilize the talent. You got to utilize those guys' skill set, and they did that against Vanderbilt. Now, can we continue to be consistent? Will we see that again against Florida this this weekend? Okay, I'm good with one game, but let's do it back to back to back, and let's see if we can get some things moving because I think they're going to have to score some points uh, in order to win this game on the road against the Gators. Now, you know, I know back in your day, you know, you really liked to hit the little small quarterback, the little 5'10", 5'9", runt that you could uh, get your hands on and sling him down. But now, when you're talking about this guy, Anthony Richardson, now we remember what the Gamecocks couldn't do against K.J. Jefferson in, in week two. And we flashed wow. back many years and remember them bouncing off Cam Newton like they were flies and he was swatting them away. What's I'm not going to say what's so hard. I know it's hard, but what's the key to bringing down a big, heavy set quarterback like they're going to face on Saturday? Well, it depends on which, you know, Richardson we're going to get. I mean, a lot of people had this guy slated as a number one draft pick. He's got a big arm. He's 6'3, 250. Looks like Josh Allen out there running the football. Well, you know, I taught my little kids this. Even when Christian was little, my other son, CJ, and the little uh, Polo Road New York Giants when we won about three championships out there. And I said, you know what you do when you face a guy that's bigger and taller than you? You know how to get him on the ground? And they said, what do we do, coach? You take those knees out. You take those legs out and you wrap them up and you shoot at them. And that guy's going to hit the ground. Well, it doesn't change in SEC football. If you go try to hit a guy like that up high, he's going to stiff arm you. They're going to put his hand in your face mask. They don't call it on the offense. But when you go take – listen, man, guy can't run without those legs, bro. Mm-hmm. You can't run. So you got to shoot. You got You can't wait on him. I, I, this makes me mad. Mm-hmm. I've seen DBs for Alabama do this. They're, guys break through, and they sit back, and they wait. You have to go shoot. You have to go take a shot at him. If it's on the sideline, use the sideline to help you. But you got to hit him low. You can't just go throw a shoulder at the limit. You got to run through those legs and wrap up. That's what you got to do. You got to be aggressive and physical because he's a physical runner. So the same little teaching at Polo Road is the same teaching that I'm going to tell the, the South Carolina Gamecocks. You better take his legs out because if you don't, you're going to be embarrassed. Your boys back home, your homeboys going to be calling you on Sunday morning, not about going to church, but they're going to be called laughing at you. Talking about how you got trucked. So you, you better be able to take those legs out, bro. You better, better take those legs out. Now, I'd say that to my little guy, and I'd say it to the older guys, but it's amazing to me that these big-time college athletes still don't know how to tackle, man. And, and it's some of the worst tackling that I've seen in a lot of years. Do they just not spend the time anymore on it, or or guys just don't want to play those positions and and be tacklers? Well, I think they don't. I mean, you know, with all the rules and all the concussions, and you know, they they wearing those things on their heads now on top mm-hmm. of the helmets. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they they're trying to tackle dummies, right? Listen, 
you and you can feel corn blue mm. can go out there and look like an all-american tackling a dummy a dummy not gonna juke you a dummy don't have no power no explosive hips you know what i mean you the only way you get better at tackling is tackling and if you don't tackle and when you get into the game man when these live bullets are flying you're not going to do well and this is the problem because they don't want to hit anymore you they don't want to do that anymore and, and one of the things, like I said about Alabama, you know what? Alabama, I, text, I tweeted this the other night. They're soft. <laughs> they, they, this team was never soft because they did the fourth quarter. They did things like that. Now we're using analytics and we're using all this highly sophisticated stuff when it comes to daggum football, and it pees me off. You know, analytics on the play caller, analytics on how to tackle, and let's use all these machines. You get better tackling by tackling. You get better blocking by blocking somebody. Head, face mask, and hands. It's not that hard. You have to get back to the basics. You know why Georgia is just one of the best teams or the best in the country? Why? Why they dismantled Tennessee? Why? Because Kirby Smart took what Nick Saban has taught all of these years and said, I'm sticking to the basics. We're going to be physical. We're not going to let Jalen Hyatt, his 175-pound frame, run in a 4-2 right down the field. We're going to put our hands on him. We're going to jam him at the line of scrimmage. Why? Because it, this, it messes up the rhythm. You take away the timing of the passing game. Guys, it's not that hard. Mm. We, we, we've gotten too smart now for football. Football is blocking and tackling. 100. You can give me the analytics all you want to. You better get your butt down there, down and dirty, and be physical. If you don't, when you play great football teams, you're going to lose. And that's what South Carolina has to get back to and stick with that model. Let's be physical. Face and hands. Blow people up. Those teams win. Discipline. And we see Alabama don't have it now. We see other teams don't have that now. And that's why they're struggling. I don't think I would have liked to have played on your team. Why? Imagine the pep talks they had. I think you, awesome. You, I'd wet my pants. I think you'd scare me to death. I'm talking about your midget team, your little, you know, seven and eight year olds out there. <laughs> yeah. Listen, Christian will tell you this, man. My, Christian was on my team. He was five, almost six, right? And we were doing a tackling drill. And this kid was bigger than him. And when you asked that question, that's what I thought about. And man, this this is a running back kid. He 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 trucked Christian, and Christian was good. And I said, no, I don't hurt my little son. Let me take him out the tackling drill. And and so he said, no, Daddy. I said, well, how do you tackle someone bigger? And man, that next play, Christian blew his leg out. <laughs> and, and he'll tell you that to this day. You would love being on my team because you know what, Phil? You wouldn't have been a powder puff. Charming tissue, dude. Oh, we, got, we, we got to go on that. I, see ya. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Be right back. Listen. All right, Will and the Thrill coming up. But first, recruiting brought to you by Seawells and Man. I was by Seawells today for lunch, and it was unbelievable. Pat, we had barbecue chicken. We had pork chops. We had rice. We had mashed potatoes with gravy. We had string beans. We had some kind of a casserole. Couldn't really make out what it was, but it looked good. Uh, all kinds of desserts, beverages galore. If you're not going to Seawells, and the place was pretty full, too. 
folks are getting out there. If you're not getting out to Seawells at the fairgrounds for their daily luncheon buffet, you are missing a very fine meal at a very good price. And for the very best in the catering business, it is Seawells at 1125 Rosewood Drive, 803-771-7385. And yes, tomorrow is a roast beef Friday. I double-checked, so it is a roast beef Friday. Recruiting. Some notes for you. Defensive end Tyree Weathersby tells us he continues to communicate with USC defensive line coach Jimmy Lindsay, and the two are working on a visit date. He remains committed to Tennessee, and he was there for the Alabama game. Said he was one of those fools that ran on the field. He's also hearing a good bit from Oklahoma at this point. Defensive tackle Xavier McLeod of Camden currently committed to USC, but he was showing off some Miami gear in a post on Instagram, and he recently visited Florida for a game. So I'd say keep an eye on that. USC target running back Khalifa Keith plans to visit Tennessee Saturday. 2024 receiver T.J. Moore of Tampa (coughs) plans to visit Clemson Saturday, and he was offered by Ole Miss. 2024 athlete Mikel McClellan of J.O. Mann plans to be at Clemson Saturday, his second game visit of the season with the Tigers. Clemson target 24 running back Boo Carter plans to visit Ole Miss. USC and Clemson target 24 tight end Caleb Odom offered by Virginia Tech. USC target 24 defensive end Jordan Ross offered by Cincinnati. Clemson USC target linebacker Andrew Hines. Georgia Tech Saturday. 2024 offensive tackle Blake Franks of Greenville made an unofficial to Clemson on Tuesday. (coughs) Clemson and USC target 25 offensive tackle David Sanders of Charlotte offered by Texas A&M. Basketball. 2024, 6'4", Cam Scott of Lexington takes his official to Auburn this weekend. He's also been to USC for an official and is scheduled for Duke and Texas, and he plans one for Florida State. USC women got a commitment and a signing, I imagine a signing, from 5'6", Malaysia, Full Wiley of Keenan today, purportedly a big-time player, and they also announced the signing of 6'1", Sanya Ja late last night. Wofford signed 6'8", Jeremy Lorenz of Brilliant, Wisconsin, and 6'8", Elijah Strong of Charlotte. <clears throat> and Furman added guards 6'4", Edron Bronson of Tampa, and 6'5", Tommy Humphreys of Minneapolis. Baseball, Clemson signed left-hander outfielder Jacob McGovern of Seneca, and 2026 outfielder Sterling Coxum of Oceanside Collegiate committed to Clemson. And there you go. Recruiting on a windy, wet, and wild Thursday night right here on Sports Talk. Remember to check out our recruiting on our website, sportstalksc.com, on our Twitter at sportstalksc. Let's welcome in for another edition of Will and the Thrill, former Gamecock standout defensive end, Carl Hill, former Clemson standout offensive lineman, Will Merritt. Great to have the two of you. Carl, let's begin with you since the Gamecocks were winners last week and Clemson was not. What would you think of their performance there at Vanderbilt? 
it was kind of good to see the offense do some things to kind of get some guys open to use some of the guys. They put your best players in the best position to be successful. I think offensively, we, we did that. Defensively, I thought that our defensive line played well. I thought they played well enough for us to win. If they can continue to play that well throughout the rest of the year, I think we'll be okay with our defensive line. Linebackers, you go back and look at some of the misplays, the long plays that Bandy had. You had guys coming into the in the box, stopping their feet and getting shaking bacon, <laughs> and the guy going for a thirty yard play. And you got linebackers that's overflowing gaps that you just don't move that fast to the outside when the ball's not out there. They they getting ahead of the football, and it's just a lot of young guys too. Those guys I saw making mistakes at linebackers that I hadn't seen play a whole lot either. Yeah, yeah. Is that just a matter of experience? I mean, eventually they'll figure that out and they won't make those mistakes? Yeah, you do, and they need playing time. You, you, you can get playing time against when you're playing somebody like Vanderbilt. That's when you can get them. If they make a mistake, you still got a chance to win the ball game so they don't hurt you too bad. Secondary, we got the same problem. Guys that just playing a whole lot of football, linebackers in the past playing a whole lot of football, you got to get some of these younger guys. They don't run unless they make mistakes. You gotta put them out there in the fire and let them get hot. Uh, Will, uh, I know you were pretty shook up from this past Saturday. Uh, your thoughts on what happened to the Tigers up there in South Bend? Well, yeah, I mean, obviously it was a poor show. And by the way, I hear that there's rainbows and butterflies all in Columbia since uh, you can never lead off a show with Carolina one and Clemson lost. So I understand what an anomaly this show is for you guys. But um, you know, it, it, it was one of the poor showings that that Clemson has had. Honestly, Phil, I don't even remember the last time it looked this bad. Um, and and I, I'm not just going to talk about. You know, everybody, I think, is kind of head-scratching a little bit. I, you know, I was in Charleston this morning with a, just a litany of Gamecock fans and Clemson fans. Had a chance to have tons of conversations down at, at that prayer breakfast. And by the way, Daryl Strawberry did an unbelievable job. Oh, you were at uh, that. give a shout-out. Oh, fantastic. Um, but um, uh, just a, an incredibly uh, powerful testimony. But, you know, here's the thing, Phil. I've heard for the last, you know, five, four or five days about – 15 different reasons why Clemson lost the game. And they're all valid. Like, every one of them are valid. Uh, I, I can't see one that's not, you know, they should have run the ball more. Granted, they shouldn't have turned the ball over. You got it. How about let's get tighten up special teams, okay? Should have done this on play calling, receivers dropping passes, defensive ends getting pinned in. I mean, everything that you can say as far as a reason, honestly, is absolutely correct. Mm. It was one of those nights where I just didn't see much going right. Now, can you put it all on one thing? I, I think you, I think you would kind of limit yourself and, and kind of show a little bit of ignorance if you do that. Because if it's not one thing, it's another. I mean, not a lot of people have ninety-nine yard punt returns for touchdowns in the same game. You have a block punt for touchdowns and multiple interceptions and pick sixes, and not a lot of people have those in the same game. Mm. But it happened. And it was a nasty night, and I think what it did come down to, too, is I think Notre Dame wanted the game more. I mean, from a line of scrimmage standpoint, I just felt like that Notre Dame was very, very physical in the trenches, both sides of the ball, and we did not answer the call. Now, when we did answer the call, we had moments that we looked good, and then we would turn the ball over. And so I just felt like all night long you felt like, okay, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting for the spark, we're waiting for the spark, here we go, here we go, second.
second half team, and it just never materialized. And you tip your cap to Notre Dame. Once they got their foot on the gas, they never let up. So you give them tons of credit for just punching Clemson in the mouth. And so they got to recover, and they don't. They got a short week to do it. Yeah, against a dangerous team that's gotten hot. So Shoot, I, yeah. I know you and Coach Streeter, longtime close friends, real tight. And now Jeff Scott is out there after getting fired from USF. And, I mean, immediately uh, you hear Clemson fans. Uh, this is some, not everybody, but some out there saying, hey, got to go get Jeff Scott, bring him back. Is this an uncomfortable time for Brandon Streeter? No, well, first of all, I mean, Brandon's. I mean, he's was my roommate in college. He's my, one of my dearest friends in the whole world. So I don't I don't care who's asking the questions. You're not going to me, hear me say, you know, anything negative. Street will say as much negative or deprecating about himself. I don't have to be the one to say it, and I wouldn't say it. Yeah. Um, I think it's comical to bring up a, a firing and hiring with four games, potentially five games left to play. Um, well, we know there's five games left to play. I mean, I, I think it's comical. I mean, you're going to have this conversation. How asinine is it to have a conversation about firing a coach after one loss? Okay, I mean, I love Jeff Scott, too. We were teammates for five years together. Jeff is one of my dearest friends. I mean, I texted Jeff almost every weekend. So I love Jeff, and I love his dad just as much as anybody in the world. But I think it's a very, very immature and almost abysmal comment to say, oh, after one loss, let's go make a change. I mean, good gracious, man. I mean, you're talking about a guy that has not barely even had a chance to put a full season under his belt. So I think the, a little bit of grace period is uh, probably where people need to land. Guys, when a brand-new coordinator comes in, he's usually given a little bit of a, uh, a opportunity to, to – get a little bit more wet behind the ears. This is not the first time Street's been a coordinator, but at the same time, the first time he's been a coordinator on this level. Um, I mean, look at a guy like Billy Napier who uh, cut his teeth at Clemson, and now look at what he's doing down at Florida. I mean, you guys will get a chance to find out this Saturday at 4 o'clock. So, I mean, I think you can go one or two different directions with this conversation very quickly. Of course, let me just – so that there's clarity here. When you say you guys, you're talking about people like – Chris and, and other people, you're not talking to me. Well, I'm, now, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying people that ask that question. Right? No, I'm no, talking no. You're talking about Gamecock. You're saying you're referring to Gamecocks. I just want to make sure you're not including me in your reference there. That you know no, that I'm no, a neutral observer. I'm saying any, any, I'm saying that anybody that makes that comment, yeah, I, I know you're just posing the question that the general masses have posed. And I was, I've been asked that question already probably ten times this week, and my answer is still the same, guys. They're all, you're only nine games into the season. This is not that, oh, my gosh, you finished five and six or five and seven. Well, I mean, this is not, you know, let's, I mean, you're still in the top ten in the, in the college football playoffs. Now, is that going to matriculate into something in the top four? I doubt it, very seriously. But it's still dangling out there. You're still playing for a conference championship. Let's not act like the fact that, you know, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that, we were preseason top five, and then all of a sudden we end up out of the top 25. That's not where the program is. All right, uh, Carl, and Will said, okay, you're going to be facing Billy Napier down in Florida for the Gamecocks. Uh, you you kind of know what Florida's going to do with the big quarterback and the running backs. They're going to try and run the football, but their their defense has been susceptible to giving up the run as well. Uh, they're like Really, they're, these two defenses kind of mirror one another. 
I think it could be a high-scoring game. South Carolina is going to have to score points because I'm pretty sure Florida is going to score points. So do you expect Satterfield to, to call a similar type of game in this setting in the swamp? It's, sell, it's, a, it's a sellout. It's going to be extremely loud. And so getting the signal, the play in and the signal off will be crucial. Do you think they can handle it? I think so because you got to look at AR. He's only played well when he's away from the swamp. All the games he's played at the swamp, he's not played very well. And you look at talking about, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to take a little exception to you putting our defense as bad as Florida defense. They give we're giving up about 170 yards a game. They're giving up almost 200. They're giving up over 450 yards of total offense. Their defense sucks. <laughs> so so if our offense, if look. We've, we've grown a little bit this year on offense because last year it took us 12 games to realize what how to use Jonah. This year it took us nine, so we're 25% better already. If we keep using that kid, he's, he's not a receiver. He's a quarterback playing receiver. He's not the best quarterback we have, but he's talented enough to help us win football games. And if you use the middle of the field – we have an opportunity. There's there's a there's a track here for us to win this football game, and I don't think we have to score more than like thirty five points. Thirty five well, points. That that'd be a lot. That, that'd be celebration <laughs> for the Gamecocks. Go ahead, Chris. Will and the thrill with us tonight yeah. for a few more moments. Will Merritt and uh, Carl Hill, and Will one final thought post mortem on Notre sure. Dame, and we'll put the game to bed. If Davo Sweeney had to do it, had to do it rather over again, does he leave uh, leave Kate Klubnick in a little bit longer after the interception, or did he look at it and say, you know what, that's a teachable moment about how important ball security is? Uh, yeah, that's a great question, and I really don't have a good answer. I, I think that the answer would probably be he would have done a lot of things different. That just might have been one of about six to eight things he would have done drastically different. Um, and I hope that's the case because if, if he doesn't, and, and if and if Cade has an opportunity against Louisville, um, that means that things aren't going right again. And, um, and guys, I mean, this is a scary, scary football team that – you know, I, I'm, I'm, I've got as much trepidation about this weekend as I did last weekend. So let me just tell you, I hope that he looks back and says, okay, maybe I should have done this, maybe I should have done that. But it's a smart staff, and, um, and obviously they're going to have to make changes. I think it's a great question, and I think everybody has probably pondered that exact same thing. Maybe, he, you know, give him some more rhythm. Don't do six plays one week, two plays the next week. One, you know, you know, let him, let him mm-hmm. get some more time under his belt. I think it's a fantastic question. I just really – you know, I, I guess in the in the heat of the moment in the game, you just go, let's go with who got us here, you know? Mm. All right, guys, uh, we are uh, closing in on the big Saturday. Uh, two more games in between now and the big game, the big rivalry game, the Palmetto Bowl. So let's see. Let's take a check of the rivalry meter with the two of you at this stage. Gamecocks coming off uh, a massive, a phenomenal, dominating crushing win at Vanderbilt, Clemson coming off a stomping, kick in the face, uh, wee-weed all over loss at Notre Dame. Let's see how that affects the rivalry meter tonight. Carl, what you got? Rivalry meter, read for you tonight. And, and, and I'm going to jump back real quick. 
Florida's given up 37 points, more than 37 points over the last three games. I think we can get their 30 to 35 <laughs> points against them. Okay. 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 Now, the last week I was telling you about, them, about my Tigers friend peeping around the barn, looking into the cockpit, and then we laid that egg. They all started running back. Oh, there's nothing to see. Hey, they peeping back around the fence, right the, the, the barn right now, looking in the cockpit because they trying to say, Hey, man, I hope y'all can beat Florida because if y'all beat Florida, it make our record look good if we beat y'all. But this week, I'm feeling good after what I saw last week. I'm at a six and a half, baby. Whoa, that's a season high for you, six and a half. Will, what you got? It is. After seeing that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's where I'm at. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, high is right. Um, so here, here's what I'd say. If you get this giddy over a win over the Commodores, Good gosh, what's going to happen if y'all win at the Swamp? I mean, Carl, he'll, he's going to run around Columbia half-naked, you know, <laughs> passing out $100 bills. I mean, give me a break, dude. I mean, all right, I'm still at a 10. I mean, because I think the better team will win, all right? I'm not, sh- I'm not swaying from my 10 until you show me something that you can do to beat us. Guys, if you don't understand what the media is supposed to be or it's broke. <laughs> <laughs> it's broke. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> we appreciate you. Have a great rest of your week, a great weekend, and we'll get with you next week. Thank you so much. Thanks, fellas. You got it. Have a great weekend, guys. Thank you, guys. Y'all fantastic. Uh, I tell you, I love our Thursday nights. Corey Miller, then Will, and the thrill. You can't stuff. top it. Yep, love no. it, love it. And we got to hit a break and uh, come back and – Put the final touches. Got a few basketball scores we can pass along to you and set the stage for a big Founders Federal Football Friday night. Got some high school football playoff games tonight, too. A couple of them going on. We'll update those as well. So we'll be right back after this break on Sports Talk. Don't go away. We're with Major Billy Downer of DNR. Of course, hunting is very popular across the state of South Carolina, Major Downer. What things should our hunters be thinking about before they get out in the fields? It seems like every other show we're talking about hunting safety of some sort. Whether it's turkey season or deer season, hunters always need to be aware of the target. Make sure before you pull that trigger that you know what you're looking at. Whether it's a turkey during turkey season or a deer during deer season, you know your identifying features of your game. You know what's beyond that target in case you miss. Learn more about the great outdoors in South Carolina with Major Billy Downer on SC Wild here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Hi, I'm State Treasurer Curtis Loftus, and I've got a great gift idea that requires zero shopping, the gift of college savings. Future Scholar South Carolina's 529 College Savings Plan makes it easy. Grandparents, friends, and family can all contribute to a Future Scholar account and know that they're providing a gift that will last a lifetime. If you're looking for the perfect gift this holiday season, look no further. Learn more about the smart, easy way to save and give this holiday season at futurescholar.com. Founders Federal Credit Union knows your life is busy and your money is important. We are proud to offer local personalized services and convenient online services like Founders Online and the Founders app. You'll love being with us as much as we love serving you. Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership with Founders. Relax, win with Founders. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, 
You should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. I love sports, and I've helped people for over 30 years. Contact me at Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com when the insurance company won't pay your claim or you have complicated issues. Some other business causes your business to lose money? Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com. When you lose a relative and find out you got cut out of a will or don't get what was promised. When you have serious injury, like from a wreck or mishap or on the job. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com. In Columbia, South Carolina, game days are our specialty. Whether you're watching the game from inside the stadium or from the big screen at your favorite local spot, the energy remains the same. Craft the perfect fall Saturday in a city where there is plenty of action on and off the field. From tubing and kayaking to Soda City to rooftop restaurants and plenty barbecue, we're ready when you are. Plan your weekend at experiencecolumbiasc.com. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions plated for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow-roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at scattle.org. Beef. It's What's for Dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. You were always more than my mom. You were my role model, my best friend, and biggest supporter. You filled my days with unconditional love. And you also prepared for the day when you couldn't be here. Because of the woman you were back then, I'm able to be the woman I am now. Your planning made this moment possible. Set your family up for life. Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance. Your friends for life. Life insurance isn't for you. It's for those you love the most. For a complete insurance review, call Buddy Bridges in Lawrence County at 864-923-2174. Serving Lawrence, Clinton, and the shores of Lake Greenwood. Southern Farm Bureau Life Insurance Company, Jackson, Mississippi. Not licensed to do business in all 50 states. All right, our buddy Eddie listening to us on our StreamYard feed, communicating with us, and he said, um, the pastor was on fire, F-I-R-E-E-E-E, and spot yes, he on. Was. Yeah, he was on fire tonight. Basketball, we got Florida, uh, we got Ohio State beating Charleston Southern second half, 53-27. You've got the Citadel uh, leading Presbyterian 30-29, 413 to play in the half. Virginia Tech over Lehigh, 78-52. Clemson women leading Wofford, second half late, 5-10 to play. Oh, no, second quarter. This must be second quarter. 29-28. I forgot Gosh, I they hope do. it's second quarter. Yeah, they do quarters. Forgot about that. Um, let's see what else we got coming up. We got um, Notre Dame basketball and to finally Radford. go to quarters. Notre Dame-Radford. I hope not. I mean, personally, I like – are we out of time already? 
I like halves. Like halves. I mean, okay. it, that's what makes college basketball different. Unique, no doubt. From the NBA, you know? All right, tomorrow night, we will uh, be on the road to Florida. Hopefully make it down there in good shape for you. Looking ahead to USC, Florida. Also, of course, Clemson, Louisville. The basketball game tomorrow night. The high school playoff games as well. Thank you, Chris. Yes, sir. Thank you, Pat. Thanks to all of you out there. See you tomorrow night.